Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 101. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Ed Justice Jr. Ed, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I've got my Hans device on, and uh, I uh, hope I don't fall out of my seat during this interview. <laughs> well, I hope I don't hit a wall, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take this journey together and have some fun. For over 25 years, Ed Justice Jr. has been president and CEO of Justice Brothers Incorporated, a legendary international manufacturer, a distributor of lubricants, additives, and cleaners, founded by his father, Ed, and his uncles, Gus and Zeke. Many of us are familiar with the glory days of auto racing, but few have lived the experience that Ed Justice Jr. has. And at age 44, he became one of the youngest to be inducted into the Old Timers Club at the Indianapolis 500 Motor Speedway. Ed is the award-winning host of the Road & Track radio show. He's been awarded the prestigious Motor Press Guild Dean Bachelor Best of the Year Award and the International Automotive Media Awards, including a gold medal. Ed has also been on numerous radio and television shows and the master of ceremonies at countless events. There's simply not enough time for me to tell you his whole life story, but today on Cars Yeah, he'll share some of his amazing history with all of us. So Ed, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a little time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your immense passion for automobiles? I'd be happy to. You know, I, I was born into this. I was very lucky that I was born into a family in the automotive world. You know, you have no choice on who your parents are, and uh, it's just one of those things that happens that uh, we can't explain. And I also was lucky that uh, I decided that I liked this, and uh, I didn't decide to become a doctor. Not that a doctor's a bad thing. It's a great thing. We need more of them. But it also was something that was interesting to me. And, you know, I started with my dad. He, he, my dad would take me everywhere with him. And he was really one of my best friends through my life. We were going to races, and my dad was a photography nut. 
And uh, he had shot a lot of pictures in World War II when he was overseas and started when he was a very young boy because my grandfather was an auctioneer and he was one of the few people in their little town in Kansas that had a camera. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for people to believe today that cameras were something that were very special and unique to own. Mm-hmm. You know, today everybody owns a phone, has a camera, so they're they're pretty much a commodity now. Sure. And, so my dad, when I was going to the races, he was trying to get me uh, interested in photography, too. I you know, wanted to be a sign painter when I was a really young guy. I, I've always loved art. I mentored at a sign shop as a young guy for free for a summer. But the photography really sort of interested me because you got to go out and meet people and, and be outside rather than you know, sitting at a desk. So I started shooting pictures. I, I bought uh, some cameras, and my dad helped me along. And next thing you know, I was actually shooting for the magazines at 14 years of age, which wow. seems hard to believe today. But, you know, there weren't as many attorneys. There weren't as many lawsuits. There, <laughs> you know, it, it, was a, it was a different time. Yes, People didn't necessarily think about safety in the same way. I mean, today I think we're a little bit overboard now. Mm-hmm. I can only think of maybe one photographer that I've known that, well, I didn't even know this person that got killed, and it was such a freak deal. And so, I mean, it's a pretty safe profession, a motorsports photographer, if you use your head. Sure. And so anyway, I did that. I've, uh, you know, sold plenty of photos to the magazines over the years. I have a great archive now, and now I'm actually, my photos, the early stuff is vintage, you know, which is hard to believe. So, <laughs> you know, and I've, I've been involved in the Justice Brothers business ever since I was around. I mean... Ed Roth had five sons and, uh, you know, the car customizer. Oh, yeah. He looked at those five sons as the cheapest workforce that you could ever have. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's a funny thing. If you hire an underage person and they're not a family member, they'll throw you in jail for that. But if they're your family member, you can make them overwork. And (laughs) and it's pretty tough to get in trouble. You've got to really be a bad person. Yeah, actually. I just interviewed Art Morrison this morning, and his son Craig has worked with him for years, and he said the same thing. He said, we probably broke every child labor law on the planet when, when Craig was young, but uh, now he's an integral part of the business. So Yeah, well, you know what? i tell you, I, I think when you're lucky enough to have uh, a parent or a family member or your family or whatever that can take you to their place of business, and when you're young, I think you get a head start. I really do. I mean, it's no different than these young drivers today that start driving go-karts at five years of age. I mean, they do that for a reason, and it gives them a big head start. Yeah, absolutely. So you worked in your family business, and you've been involved in many aspects of the family business, and the business is so huge and so diverse. What are some of the things that you've done in the business throughout the years? Oh, my gosh. I started in the plant, uh, working along all the rest of the uh, the production line workers. Uh, I've worked in the warehouse. I've loaded I don't know how many thousand uh, carloads of, of product, both in rail car. In the summertime, that's a hot job. Mm-hmm. To trucks, to you name it. I mean, I've swept the floors. Uh I mean, I've done all the uh, all the jobs in the place, really, I mean, in every aspect. And, you know, there's obviously benefits to that. I mean, there isn't a job in the place that I haven't done or, or that I won't do. And, and I think anybody that you would talk to around here, I mean, you know, pride of ownership. You know, it's the old adage that 
if you had to work for something and pay for it, you value it a lot more than if it's just given to you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, as we continue on this journey, we're going to learn more and more about all the different things that you've done because you've been involved in radio and television. You've been at Concord events emceeing, and your hands have been in so many different things. We'll share, and hopefully you'll be sharing a little bit of all those as we move along, but As we continue down the road on your journey, I always like to start our talks with a success quote. And this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It has some meaning to you. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ed, take the wheel. Well, you know, I love quotes. When you ask about quotes to me, you're talking to a guy that has a book that I write them down in. Oh, wonderful. uh, I, I really do love quotes because I think most Quotes, sayings have become popular because they are very true. And and one of my favorites is there's always sun above the clouds, meaning no matter how bad the day looks on the ground, if you pull back and get above your problems, you'll see sunshine. And, you know, when you are faced with some tough times, and let's face it, everybody faces tough times. You might look at somebody else and think their life is perfect and that they have no problems. The reality is that's not true. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their uh, cross to bear, so to speak, or their problems to deal with. And, you know, how you deal with those things, uh, you know, President Nixon used a quote, and I think it was maybe from Teddy Roosevelt. I'm not sure about that. But in, in order to know how glorious the mountaintops are, you have to have been in the depths of the valley. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to that. I mean, you know, bad times are what really test all of us and test your character and make you really appreciate when things are good. And if you can just learn how to deal with those bad times and, uh, you know, Another saying along those lines is, this too shall soon pass, mm-hmm. and it does. I mean, you look at stars in the news, and they they are the middle of a controversy, and basically the way that works today is they're in the middle of the controversy until the next big story comes along, and then boom, they're off the front page, and <laughs> sure. we're on to the next one, you know? Oh, sure. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about challenges in a moment, but Could you maybe share a story of how you've incorporated one of those success quotes into your business and into your life and your passion for cars? You know, when things just don't go your way, you have to realize, you know, that's just part of life. I mean, you know, when you don't, you know, if it's a car, if there's some car out there that you want really bad and if you're lucky enough to get it, great. If you aren't, I mean, you know, you got to learn to move on <laughs> and uh, go to the next deal. I mean, you, you can't harp on things and you can't carry this baggage because all it does is just weigh you down. I mean, yeah. you have to you have to always wake up in the morning and realize today's a new day, yeah. and uh, you get to in a, in effect somewhat wipe the slate clean. And a lot of people in my life I've met have a lot of excuses why they haven't done things or why they don't do things. And then I've met a lot of people that have incredible handicaps, have faced incredible obstacles, and they've become incredible successes in whatever they've gone after. So the defining thing is it's the individual. Mm -hmm. Again, there's all these things that might affect you or me, but individuals that have strong character and that have a strong drive and great desire, they find a way to become a success. They really do. They absolutely do. Now, you were born into a car family, so this next question may be 
a little bit too simple, but maybe not. Is there a moment in your life that instigated your passion for cars? You know, some people are born into families that have some type of a background and the children don't like anything about it and they go off on their own way. You've stayed in the car culture. Is there a pivotal moment for you that you really knew you were a car guy? Yeah, you know, that's a that's an interesting question, really, because I was born in it. It's all I've ever known as far as cars. I mean, I was raised around it from day one and at its highest level in the racing world. I mean, I grew up around Indy winners, Daytona 500 winners, famous sports car drivers, drag racers. I mean, you name it. I was exposed to all of it. So I don't know that there was ever a pivotal moment for me. It was just part of my life. I mean, but obviously it's there had to be some sort of a conscious decision on my part to stay in it because your point is absolutely right. I mean, I've met a lot of people and I and I know a lot of people. I know a lot of very well-known car people that you and your audience would know that have talked to me, you know, my kids just don't have any interest in this. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever and their and their kids would have the greatest entree into this field because of their their dad yeah. or in some cases mom and uh, so you know I don't know I don't know when that was I mean I will tell you uh getting into photography and shooting shooting the uh motorsports photography and all that definitely helped because I tell you there for me there's just nothing like going out to a racetrack or, you know, and it could be the, you know, not necessarily a formal track like Baja and trying to find that great location to get a great shot of, of the vehicle, you know, doing its thing. And then of course, in the old days, come back to the dark room, not knowing what you've got right. and developing the pictures and all of a sudden having that magical moment that, my gosh, look at that. Oh, God, what a great shot that is. So that definitely helped cement. I mean, just the, you know, created the passion because, you know, I had a group uh, here yesterday, a large group from New Zealand of uh, car people at our facility going through uh, my private collection of cars. And that was the one thing that came up. It's for anything, if you want to be good at it, and particularly in this car world, you've got to have that passion. You've got to really have that serious passion that this is it. And, you know, the one thing everybody always says is find what you like, and that's what you should do for your job. And there are no truer words. And so if you have a passion for something, and and obviously I have a passion for cars, as I think probably every one of the people you've interviewed then you know what? You're going to be good at it, and you're also going to have a fun life because you're doing what you like. Oh, your truer words were never spoken. I interviewed the photographer Jesse Alexander, so I'm sure you're aware of who he is. And sure. He said the same thing as back in the day. He could get down in the pits. He would have lunch and dinner with the drivers and breakfast. He'd be at the hotels with them and just to be a part of that, but then getting back to the dark room and seeing what evolved, and you brought that paper in the in the solution, and you start to say, oh, there it is, there it is. It's this magical moment. You talked a little bit about challenges, and I'd like to go into that a little bit deeper as we take a look at the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty here. Would you share with our listeners a huge challenge you faced in your career, even a big failure, but more importantly, how did you overcome that situation? How did you come out of it, and what did you learn from it? Well, you know... I've faced a lot of challenges in my life, 
and I don't mean that I faced more than the average person because I think, again, most people face a number of challenges. I don't know that any one of them stands out more than the other. You know, most are now memories that uh, I can look at it a much better way than you did at the time. Mm, at of course. the time, you know, it was, uh, you know, at the time, a lot of them were, uh, looked very, very gloom and doom and very impending. Uh, I've always found the key to overcoming these situations is to put your all into conquering it or defeating it. I mean, leaving nothing out. I'm an all-in type of guy, and when I'm faced with an obstacle, I give it 110% of me. I'm not going to lose or be defeated by whatever that challenge is by lack of effort. I mean, at the end of the day, I know when I walk away that win, lose, or draw, I gave it uh, everything I've got. And uh, I tell you, it's made a difference in so many cases. I mean... I mean, in so many situations, uh, I will tell the people that we might be involved with, look, at, if you need me at any time for this situation, I need to do this or need to do that, here's my number, you call me any time, and, uh, and I'll be there. And these are situations where, in many cases, a lot of people today would say, well, I've got uh, Joe or Bill will handle that. Uh, I'm not that type of guy. I mean, if I'm faced with something that I feel is a serious problem uh, or threat, I'll be there. I mean, I'll be holding the rifle next to you on the front line. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yeah, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Now, you were, in a sense, born into a family that had an established business and was moving along. But can you talk about photography, and maybe this is your aha moment, but was there an aha moment in your early career, your business, where you really realized, you know what, this is what I want to do? And maybe tell us how you took some steps to turn that aha moment into a success. I can give you an aha moment. It's, it's an interesting, you know, we've developed, both my dad and uncles and myself, you know, the company as a whole, have developed several products in the automotive additive lubricant cleaners, you know, field, mm-hmm. industry. One situation, we were back in Kansas City, and this was clearly an aha moment that really was pretty interesting. We were back in Kansas City for a meeting, and I was driving uh, the car, and my dad and one of my uncles, and there was maybe one or two other people in the car. Every time I pulled up to the light, we'd get this obnoxious, rotten egg odor in the car. Hmm. And uh, sometimes it was stronger than others, and they accused me of stopping over a sewer cover, <laughs> you know, like it was sewer gas. Yeah. And I'd say, no, I'm... I mean, I'd tell them, look, I drove up. I know what was ahead of me in the road here, and there was no sewer cover here. And so <laughs> I'd pull away from the light, and everybody turn around and look back, and, man, no sewer cover. Man, what is that odor? I mean, it is obnoxious. I mean, it was just, it was just overwhelming. And so long story short, we found out that the odor was from the catalytic converter. Yeah, I was going to say catalytic yeah. converter. I've been behind right. cars that going up a hill, and you go, oh, my gosh. That, yeah. guy, that guy had a bad burrito or something. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had just put them on the cars at this point. Mm-hmm. So they were brand-new technology. Nobody knew anything about them. And so that episode caused us to start investigating it, and we found out what created that rotten egg odor, and we found out that we could develop a product 
that would get rid of that rotten egg odor. And then also we found out that part of the problem that was a, just related to this was that the emission system would also start getting what we would call cholesterol of the uh, of all the tubes and stuff, mm, deposits yeah. inside, which would re- reduce the vacuum on the engine. And any tune-up man will tell you if you don't have proper engine vacuum, you can't properly tune up a car. Sure. And so we created the first emission system cleaner off of that sort of aha moment, like, wow, what's that smell? Yeah. That product was the first to create a brand-new category, you know, a brand-new segment of the market, which is a now a substantial segment of the market, and, you know, has been copied by virtually everyone, in name at least, uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily in effectiveness, but in name at least. And uh, so that was one, one instance, and that's just how that came about. We were just out driving a car, and, hey, what's that odor? You know, that's a wonderful story, problem-solution. You know, somebody cites a problem, and I, I mentioned, too, I remember driving behind people going, gosh, man, that guy's catalog converter, something's wrong with it. And that's wonderful that you sat there, your family together, and came up with, oh, here's a problem solution. Came up with a solution, and the rest is history. That's that's fantastic. I love that story. The burrito story, we'll call that one. All right. <laughs> What's the proudest, is there a proudest business moment for you in your career that really stands out? Well, I think it would have to be to help build Justice Brothers and continue the legacy that was started by my dad and uncles. I think, you know, I think that's got to be it. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things that I could probably think back on that I'm proud of. But, you know, to help build the company and continue the legacy and in the process provide a way for so many people around the world to make a living. Because, you know, we have a worldwide sales force. And, you know, I wish more people had a grasp of what companies can mean to just the economic health of a region, of a country, of oh, a state. Oh, gosh, absolutely. You know, I mean, because look, at on any company like ours, there's people that you're helping to employ both on the backside and the front side. I mean, you know, we buy cans, we buy bottles, we buy labels, we buy corrugated, we buy, you know, all sorts of oils, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's all on the backside. And then out on the front side, our people that are selling the product, they're earning money off of that. And so, you know, when you start looking at how many people are impacted by your actions, I'm definitely proud of that because, you know what, that's what that's what uh, put uh, puts food on the table for people. That's what buys toys coming up at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. That's what helps put people, their kids, through school and college. I mean, you know, you trade your time in your life for money. Yes. You know, your time in your life is your most valuable asset. Absolutely. You cannot buy any more. You don't get a gift anymore. You get, and that's it. And you trade that time for money. And so whatever you spend that money on, it better be worth your time of your life or you're wasting your life. Oh, so true. And that's one of the greatest joys, I think, of any business owner is when you you look in the parking lot, somebody's been able to buy themselves a new car, or they tell you about their new home, or yeah, the fact that they bought something for their children, they're going to be able to put them through school. It is a extremely proud moment that you know that you are a piece of that, enabling that person to come and work for you and work with you and build something up in their life and maybe even go on and, and do something on their own. It's, it is a great feeling. That's a, a great answer to that question. 
Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Well, that's an easy one. My first special car was a 1972 Porsche 914. Ooh. It was the first Porsche I ever owned. I made payments on it. And I still own that car today. I'm still not making payments. That's <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I my I actually I put a pretty good down payment that I had worked to save on that car, sure. and then I borrowed a little money from my mom. And my last payment to my mom was a camera. Oh, I had an extra camera, and I was going to buy another new camera. And my mom didn't have a camera, and I said to my mom. And it was easily the value of the payment. And I said, hey, how about I give you this camera, and we'll call that even on that last payment. And she says, that's a great idea. Nice. And so uh, that uh, that's how I, my last payment was made on that car. But buying that car at, at that point in my life was a big step for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a big step, a big commitment. It's also the car that uh, I met my wife when I was driving this car, and we dated when I was driving this car. Oh, wow. And really, to be honest, it's mainly due to her that uh, the car was never sold. At one point, when we were young and newlyweds, and I really needed the money to you know, help start our early life, and the car was worth about $3,500 back then, which is nothing today, but it would have it was a lot of money back then, sure. and uh, I said, you know, we need to sell that car and take the money and, and put it to work, and she says, no, uh, we don't really need to sell that car that bad, and I said, yeah, but, you know, we have to pay an extra $25 a month at our apartment for the extra space for that car because we were, you needed a third space for that car, yeah. and she goes, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a way to make it work, and lo and behold, here it is over 40 years later, <laughs> and I still own the car. Oh, that is such a great story, and we share something here a little bit, Ed. My first really fun car was a Carmen Ghia, and my mom, I remember it was $1,200, and I only had about 800 bucks, and my mom loaned me the rest, and I paid her off. We did a little contract, and I paid her off every month, and it took me about 12 months to pay her the rest of the money, but same kind of story, uh, parents that help you out a little bit, and but make you pay them back. They didn't give it to you. you got to work for it, and that means so much more when you're done with it. But uh, great story. Love the old Porsches. I've always been into Porsches and actually had a 914, a 73 2.0 for a while. They're really, yeah. really fun little cars to drive. Speaking of cars, how about seller's remorse? Is there a car that you've had in your past that you sold that you really wish you could have back? Yeah, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Well, is there one in particular that just really tugs on you? Well, yeah. I had a 69 911T, and now that I see these these, uh, early 911 (laughs) values uh, that, uh, you know, back in the day, you always wondered why 911s weren't worth more. And now that they're starting to become worth more, you're like, I can't believe it. So, yeah, yeah, I had how that works. I had a 72s, same thing. Yeah, yeah, they they've just gone gone to unobtainium levels of uh, of value, and it's almost sad to a point because you're a little bit afraid to drive them when you have one because of damaging it or something. But uh, yeah, no, I understand. Is there a current project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things, new products. Uh, that we're working on based on new technology and and also new products to address new needs because of uh, technology changes in the vehicles themselves. I mean, you know, obviously I follow this car market 
very closely, not only because of our business, but because of doing the automotive radio shows. And two days ago, I got to drive a number of cars. Uh, I drove the new Corvette. First time I got in that, I've been sort of late to get in that car. It's an amazing vehicle, mm, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I drove uh, the brand-new Mustang four-cylinder EcoBoost. Oh, okay. The 310-horsepower four-cylinder motor. Pretty amazing. Got a lot of zip. Not not much noise. Uh, it's a four-cylinder, you know. I mean, right. it's not a V8. Yeah. But, you know, at this point in history, and this is what's exciting. This is going back to the question, what excites me. We're going through so many more technology changes in vehicles due to a lot of reasons, you know, primarily this efficiency mm-hmm. issue that, I mean, you know, seven-speed transmissions, eight, nine, ten-speed transmissions, direct injection. It's all moving very, very quickly. Problem, though, is that we are going to get at a point where the law of diminishing returns becomes part of it. And that's going to be interesting, maybe not exciting, but interesting (laughs) to see how the politicians finally face up to that fact that you just can't. You know, as the expression, you can't squeeze, uh, what, blood from a turnip? Yeah, or blood from a rock. (laughs) Right, 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 a rock, that's it. Yeah. But, you know, also, another exciting thing is working with the numerous racing teams that we, you know, work with and sponsor or support, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, that's our family's roots, and we've always stayed true to that. It's always exciting. I mean, with the Wayne Taylor team this year, they won the championship last year, and they almost won it this year. They finished second. and But they, in the process of finishing second in the championship at the last race just about a week or two ago, they won the Petit Le Mans overall, and they became the first American drivers to win the uh, the Petit Le Mans race in the 17-year history of the race. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Big congratulations to him for that. That's absolutely awesome. Now, Ed, here's a funny question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I'd have to say a Ford F-150. Okay. It's resilient, and it's about as American as you can get. And it also happens to be the number one selling vehicle in America and has been for the past, God, I don't know, 20 years, something like that. Yeah. No, workhorse, steady, rock solid, doesn't need to be flashy, just right there to to help out when in need. Right. Sounds like a great answer. All right, Ed, we're up to what I call the last lap. So the pedal to the metal here, and this is where I fire off a series of questions. And you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Be yourself. Be yourself. I love it. Can you share one of your personal habits that you think has contributed to your success? Be honest and loyal. Uh, Both are in very short supply in today's world. Yes. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Perhaps it's a website or a person in your life or a supplier? Boy, that's a tough one. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Internet. I mean, yeah, that's the most amazing thing. I mean, it, the Internet is everything that's good and bad in the world, all right there at your fingertips. Yes. And, uh, you know, I always joke that in a dream world, every guy would love to have a 3D scanner, a 3D printer, and a water jet table. Mm. And with those three things, you can just about build anything. Yeah. Uh, but that's not a tip. That's That's a dream. <laughs> well, those are great resources. How about a book? Is there a book that you've recently enjoyed or even in the past that you really like to share with our listeners? 
Yeah, I'm a big book guy. I love to read. I have a huge automotive library. Uh, in fact, you know, I have a publishing company. We've published a couple books. I'm not going to name one of our books. I think that would be a little bit superficial. So what I am going to do is I'm going to name a book that I truly do think is a really excellent book. And I had the pleasure to interview the author uh, over three uh, different uh, uh, shows. And mm-hmm. The book is Driving with the Devil by Neil Thompson. Mm. Uh, It's the best telling of how NASCAR got started and stories of some real great men that have been forgotten. And I I always use this when uh, I describe this book to people. Uh, If you don't like NASCAR, in fact, if you hate NASCAR, you will still enjoy this book. It's a book about early moonshine. It's a little bit about World War II. It's a little bit about early Ford cars and Ford itself. And it's just a really well-done book. Neil Thompson is not a car guy. His dad was a car guy. He grew up in a household that had road and track and car and driver around. But he's an excellent writer. It's really a great book. And everybody I've recommended it to has always come back and said, really was enjoyable to read. I I just love that book. Well, fantastic. And I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these resources that Ed has shared with us today at carsyeah.com slash edjustice. That's great. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Yeah, it's not really a hobby. I would say, uh, well, you know what? If you can can, uh, make your hobby your job, Mm -hmm. you're either going to really enjoy it or you're going to ruin your hobby, they say. <laughs> yes. And for me, you know, I consider the photography as much a hobby as I do a profession. I mean, I still shoot. I obviously don't consider it to be my main source of income by any stretch of the imagination, nor do I ever really go out shooting for that intention. Although, I, you know, my current pictures still get published and that type of stuff. Because it's fun, and it's great, and it is a passion. And so, yeah, it's a hobby. I mean, I've got a lot of interest. In fact, I have more interest than I have time in my life. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, that's what keeps it interesting. I mean, there's just, there's so much to do and so little time. That's my problem. Yes, that is a problem. Time is a precious commodity. Well, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy, especially for a collector like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage and money's no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you want today, what would that vehicle be and why? That's a tough question for sure, a very tough question. But I would say it would probably have to be a Porsche 917. And uh, it's just a flat-out, over-the-top race car. It was a very, very dangerous race car, had an aluminum chassis that weighed 130 pounds, which means there was no protection with that chassis. It was just there to hold the parts in the position. But yet, in the entire history of that car, only one driver got killed while driving it. So that shows that the drivers respected the vehicle, and people like Pedro Rodriguez and Joe Sifford and Brian Redmond and Jackie Oliver and Derek Bell and, uh, gosh, a, a few handful of others, George Fulmer, who drove the Can-Am car, they really respected it, but they still put that car in the limit. Now, second, I would think, would probably be uh, a Gurney AAR Toyota GT prototype. Oh. It's sort of a later generation sports car that is very similar to the 917, but both are absolutely incredibly fast cars that 
were only safe in the most capable driver's hands. Oh, fantastic cars. And you know, Bruce, Canapa has one for sale right now. So you yeah, give him a twenty million. It's <laughs> that, that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw that car down in Monterey in August and oh my gosh, what a beautiful vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, I, he won the best of show at the Carmel Concours that yeah. I'm the at. Yeah, right. that was fantastic. Yeah, that's right. great. Well, Ed, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've, gosh, enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better and your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with us. Before we part here, could you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 917? Yeah, buy a collector car. <laughs> if you don't have one, go out and buy one. You don't need a lot of, of money to get a great car that you can join a club with and, and meet some great people and have a lot of fun with. I mean, there are so many different types and so many of them that can be bought for $30,000, more or less. And, uh, you know, I think that's relatively obtainable for a lot of people. Again, we had a group from New Zealand here yesterday, and, and they all agreed. Owning a collector car and the people you meet by driving a collector car, it's just really all good. And you said uh, it earlier. They, it's all about the people. It's really absolutely. more about the people than the cars. Absolutely. And, you know, these people said they've made friends in America, and the people come down to New Zealand. They stay with them, and then when they come over here, they visit with the people over here, and it's it's just such a common thread. And, you know, there's so many cars out there. It's like in Hot Rods, uh, you know, the 32 Ford Roadster or the, the 40 Ford Coupe. Those are two, like, iconic cars. Well, they're the also a couple of the most expensive ones. You don't have to buy those to have a cool hot rod. There's a lot of variations of cars that can be cool hot rods for a lot less money, and you have just as much fun owning those. That's absolutely true. I had a guest on Cars, yeah, Lance Lambert, who's a TV personality, and he said, if you give me $5,000, I can buy you a car that will get you into almost every car show you want to get into, except maybe Amelia Island or Pebble Beach, but that's all it takes. And I love the fact that that's your parting piece of guidance, is get involved in the car hobby. McKeel Haggerty was a guest on my show. He said the same thing, is you can get involved Without a whole lot of money, you don't have to be a wealthy person, and it's a lot of fun, and it's all about the people. What are What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, Ed, and your company? Well, they can go to our websites. Uh, for the company, is justicebrothers.com. That's justice and brothers spelled out, dot com. And if you want to learn more about me, you can go to edjusticejr.com. And that's either J-R or Junior spelled out. Either way, com. And you mentioned you had a publishing company. Do you have a website for that business as well? Yes, uh, it's E-J-J-E-U-S.com. All right. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Ed has shared with us today here at com slash Ed Justice Junior. Ed, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time today, your expertise, and sharing your rich history, your experience with me and with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!